Marvel Comics has a lot of villains. The first Marvel villain I can remember is Green Goblin. It was a Spider-Man cartoon, like the super old one from the 60s that has found a new life in memes. You know the one. If not, I'll add a link on the show notes. Anyways, the Green Goblin was scary because he flew around on a demon-esque flying skateboard throwing pumpkin bombs at people. Years later, I became obsessed with Marvel's trading cards. Marvel cards were these goofy-ass trading cards that had characters on them and rated their stats. Speed, durability, intelligence, fighting ability, etc. But in one of the first packs I bought, there was a card for Ultron. He was a robot with a big old gaping mouth, no doubt laughing maniacally at his latest and greatest plan and angry-looking slots for eyes. He stood... Vile and menacing, fists thrust in the air triumphantly. Like he was really trying hard to be mean. Too hard. To the point of cheese. I remember thinking he looked pretty lame, but his stats and backstory were just the right amount of ridiculous. And I have a thing for ridiculous. But as time passed, and we've become more dependent on technology and computers, Ultron has become the villain I fear most. This is Issue Zero, a show about the power of fandom and pop culture. I'm a known Luddite and your host, Fred Kennedy. And today we'll be discussing why Ultron, one of the cheesiest robots ever constructed, is in fact one of the most terrifying characters in the Marvel Universe. I'm not the only one who thinks he's a nightmare of circuits come to life. Kelly Thompson from Marvel Comics, who's written everything from Captain Marvel to Hawkeye, shares my terror. He's scary because AI can be really scary in smart stories. And there's like humanity attached to that that's scary. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's definitely, you know, we in comics, especially at Marvel with like mutants and inhumans and stuff, you spend a lot of time talking about like what's next in the evolution and like what's beyond humanity quote unquote right um and ai is very scary in that way because that feels like a thing that's definitely beyond humanity and it's not something we're capable like we're like children comparatively right so it's definitely scary in that way but i mean you know there's a lot of scary villains out there Here's a bit of backstory on our chrome-tastic friend. Ultron first appeared in Avengers number 54 back in 1968. But he was wearing a mask, so no one knew who he really was. He was just a generic threat, a one-off bad guy, leading a collection of other nobody villains in an attack on Earth's mightiest heroes. On the final page, the mask is gone, but we don't really get a name. It wasn't until the following issue, issue 55, that we find out who he really is. He's dubbed Ultron 5, the living automaton. See, he's the fifth model. He's already improving himself. He's self-evolving. He's a self-evolving construct. And remember, this was 1968 too, so that's a concept that's way ahead of its time. If you read this back then, you'd probably think it was laughable. I mean, no one thought people would even have a home computer back then, 
let alone a few computers in every house. And for the record, I'm calling your smartphone and tablet a computer because that's that's what they are. Of course, all the Avengers are like, who is this vile metallic menace? And then Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man giant man, is like, oh, yeah, Hank Pym, not Tony Stark like the movies. Uh, more on the MCU version of Ultron in a bit. Hank Pym created Ultron, uploaded his brain patterns, and made him out of adamantium, then lost him. Let me repeat that, okay? He's made of adamantium, the strongest substance in the Marvel Universe, you know, the stuff grafted to Wolverine's skeleton and claws, and Hank Pym just lost him, like an old tube of chapstick. Interesting fact, the reveal of Ultron is actually the first ever mentioning of adamantium in Marvel Comics. Now, back to the absent-minded Hank Pym. In the comics, he's romantically involved with Janet Van Deen, which means that Ultron is romantically interested in Janet Van Deen as well. And I know that seems kind of weird, given he's a robot, but it's actually a very cool way to create an Oedipus complex. See, he wants to destroy his father and be with his mother, literally. If it's good enough for Greek mythology, it's good enough for Marvel, okay? They even doubled down on their blatant Oedipus-ness in 1977 when Ultron 8 builds himself a robotic bride and names her Jocasta, Oedipus' mom from the Greek myth for anyone keeping track or looking for geeky trivia. He even uploads Janet Van Deen's brain patterns into it. Yes, he makes his mother into a robot so he can marry her. Hashtag comics. There are a lot of creepy Ultron trying to have sex storylines, but things really amp up to the next level when writer Brian Michael Bendis and artist Frank I Draw Women Thick Cho got the reins in The Mighty Avengers in June of 2007 when Ultron interfaces with Iron Man's armor, which has Tony Stark's DNA infused into it. So somehow Tony Stark's DNA and the tech within the armor allows Ultron to become human. This is where things get a lot closer to the Ultron from the MCU. Now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is where most people know Ultron from, and I think that they really nailed Ultron's character. Sure, in the movie, he was made by Tony Stark and Bruce Banner, but who cares? The movies really managed to capture how perfectly wicked and conniving he is, and that's what makes it so good. And remember, in the movie, Ultron was initially a global defense program designed to preserve the entire planet. He became evil after witnessing humanity at its worst online. A lot of people crap on Age of Ultron, and they shouldn't because it's a great examination of society. He witnessed the way we behave online. He watched the way we treat each other in the real world. And based on that, he decided we needed to die. All of us. We 
are a failure of a species. And to save the planet, humanity needed to be wiped out entirely, like the dinosaurs. Sadly, his giant meteor plan was thwarted by the Avengers, and he, along with all his automatons, were destroyed. Roll credits. So after all the cheese and all the jokes about Oedipus complexes, what makes Ultron so terrifying? Well, for one, he's very hard to destroy. In Age of Ultron, one of the nuttiest things Ultron does is create countless automatons, like thousands. He is connected to every single one of them. What they see, he sees, and vice versa. It's this hive mind technology all communicating and learning from each other. And that in itself is terrifying. I spoke with Marvel writer Ed Brisson, who's worked on Old Man Logan, X-Men, and Bullseye, and, and he felt the exact same way. I think he's terrifying, yeah, for sure. I, I just, the idea of, I don't know, always the idea of like robots that can self-replicate and how that is maybe not too far off like our own reality uh, a few years, in a few years' time. A little bit terrifying to me, but yeah, that sort of that aspect of being able to self-replicate and sort of spread like that, you know, and, and uh, I guess the Avengers' own creation turning on them is a little bit, a little bit terrifying. But he's like, he's Ultron's not a guy. I think talked about this a bit before, but not a guy like I, I was heavily invested in. But the the idea of him is definitely terrifying. And remember, those automatons are merely extensions of Ultron. They're like an extra set of arm or eyes out there gathering information, intelligence, making him more aware. If you kill Ultron, he's already in another body. He is thousands of places at once. That's the most chilling scene in the movie, and it sums things up pretty nicely. Uh, the vibranium's getting away. And you're not going anywhere. Of course not. I'm already there. You'll catch on. But first, you might need to catch Dr. Banner. I wanted to cheer when I saw that scene. It was perfect. And extra perfect because James Spader was the one delivering the dialogue. It really changed the pace of the movie because you realize that if you want to destroy Ultron, you need to destroy every single thing he's created or he's just going to come back. He's always regenerating, always getting stronger. Now, he's done that in the comics, too, but never with as much fervor. But think of what we've seen multiple times since his introduction. The body is destroyed, but he manages to survive, either in a partially constructed body or even as a disembodied stream of data. Think about what that would mean in our current society. Ultron doesn't even need to have a physical form. He can live online in one computer or another. And given how connected we are with the internet, there's nowhere he can't get. He can literally be everywhere, accumulating data, learning everything about everything. Just take a second to think about your cyber footprint and how much of your personal data is already online. Were I Ultron, I'd act like a quasi-vampire. You know, vampires always have their human familiars doing their dirty work in the daylight. I'd do the same. I'd assemble multiple human pawns, blackmailing them with their dirty secrets I'd learned online, pressing them into service with threats of scandal and financial ruin. I'd get each of them to do little bits of dirty work, mere parts of my master plan, none of them knowing about the others. And then wham! 
I'd emerge in physical form, ready to take advantage of the chaos I'd sown. Ultron could do this globally because that's how the internet works. Sadly, though, or rather fortunately, when I spoke with AI expert Fotieni Agrafiati, who's head of Borealis AI and chief science officer at RBC, she said that's not exactly how AI works. So if I had a machine learning one thing um, that scientists taught it, that, and then another machine out there learning something else, it's not that they will just come together and click and all of a sudden it became a super machine. All right, so that puts my fears to rest a bit for now. But when my fridge sends my toaster an email telling it to burn my toast, I'll give Fotieni a call. Another reason Ultron is terrifying, he adapts. Ultron has no problem adapting himself to fit whatever situation he's in in order to achieve his goals. He learns. And that's actually something we're working on with AI already. Machine learning came in and basically said, how about you human don't teach me the rules of how to behave and you just give me different examples um, of how I should be behaving. Let's say I'm trying to uh, determine if there's what kind of objects are depicted in a photograph, which is a standard machine learning problem. Like I give you a photo and you get to tell me, uh, the machine gets to tell me if there's a tree or a car or a human uh, depicted in that. So the, the traditional approach to this problem would be to say, hey, let's come up with rules for how cars look and how trees look and humans look. Um, and I'll describe them fully. And using these rules, any machine should be able to uh, recognize that from photos. But, but the problem is that in the real world, all these rules fall flat. Cars come in many different shapes, textures, colors, um, different light conditions, all affect how objects appear in pictures. And we ourselves, humans, don't learn by definitions. Uh, your mother didn't teach you what a tree is because she described that tree to you. She just showed me these she are trees. She showed you a trees, yes. So this is the new leap, is showing them trees and such. So learning by example. Um, it's one school of machine learning right now says, show me enough examples and let me determine what the patterns are amongst those. And if you show me enough, I should be able to then predict uh, what a new input is uh, based on the patterns that I've seen in the past. Now, I feel like we really need to bring up Vision here. Vision is kind of complicated. In the movie, he's played by Paul Bettany and is a super advanced android, can phase through physical matter, so noble he can wield Thor's hammer, he can go toe-to-toe with Iron Man, blast beams of pure energy from the gem in his forehead, all while having a genteel British accent. He was constructed by Ultron using the Mind Stone because he felt his original body was obsolete. He wanted to become even more powerful than he already was and was willing to abandon his old body to do it. And he doesn't just adapt physically. He changes his game plan consistently depending on the situation. And the cool thing is that is already happening. Machines are learning. But don't get too worried. Votini Audi, once again. Yes, so that's online learning. Um, it will get smarter and smarter the more data you feed it. And what we want to do in the real world is have these systems retrain themselves uh, often 
so that they capture the latest and up-to-date knowledge. But let's put it this way, um, machines against humans. If machines were ever able to perform high-level reasoning the same way humans do, because today all they will do is they will bring to your attention, they will process vast information, which is what humans cannot do. Um, they will help you with, with that part. Um, but decision-making, how you act on certain things is still an open problem. If we were able to have machines that would do high-level reasoning, they would be, I guarantee you, smart enough to also adopt the same ethical standards as we humans, if, we, if they were able to internalize that. You need another reason why Ultron is brutal? He's a zealot, plain and simple. He is a zealot. The thing that makes a good villain isn't superpowers. It's their commitment to thinking they're right and their end goals are just, regardless of the consequences. They see a problem everyone refuses to acknowledge or refuses to solve, and only they have the will, the character, to make things right. Ultron is the perfect example of an uncompromising zealot unwilling to see both sides of the coin. In Avengers Age of Ultron, he truly believes that the best way to save the planet as a whole is to wipe humanity out. We are a virus that needs to be destroyed. Overpopulation, environmental atrocities, war, genocide, willful ignorance, the list goes on. But why does he feel that way? The internet. He went online. He saw the way we treat each other. And we all know how toxic the internet can be. And this is what Ultron has been inundated with. And I can really empathize with his standpoint, knowing that his first introduction to our species was via the internet. And that scene, that's actually happened in real life. In 2016, Microsoft launched Tay, an artificial intelligence that could interact with people online via social media. And it only took a few hours before it was attacked by a legion of trolls and started spewing all the vile hatred it was exposed to. And that's dangerous. Because what if Tay wasn't something you could just shut down? Could it be said that Ultron in himself is not evil? It's that we made Ultron evil by our own actions. Again. What's important, though, to note here is that um, there is a bit of a race right now from groups around the world to be producing AI models and putting them out in the public. It's very important for, for these groups to be taking a step back and trying to understand early on what could go wrong uh, with, with these technologies. Um, it's something that it's, I, I find that it's not always uh, done uh, properly. Um, a lot of the times, um, unfortunately, systems are biased in a way that we, we haven't predicted before. We put them out in the public domain and then we realize once they're in the wild that they're acting in a biased way. These are risks that you have to understand ahead of time. You have to anticipate that things like that can happen. Um, and just every business for themselves, they can decide whether they, they pursue that path or not. Again. The biases we as a species put into the world are being reflected back at us with the AI we create. Ultron, we reap what we sow. Hence, 
Ultron, the spawn of a computer program meant to protect the world from itself. His very creation is the result of a world so violent that the only way to preserve peace is to have weapons pointed at everyone all the time. Security based on mutually assured destruction. Even Thanos, when he wielded the power of the Infinity Gauntlet, only wiped out half of the Earth's population. Ultron would consider that a job half done. Ultron is the scariest villain in the Marvel Universe. He is a reflection of humanity. He is very hard to destroy. He adapts. He's a zealot. Kingpin may control New York. Man-Ape may terrorize Wakanda. And Helios may threaten the universe. But all of them would inevitably kneel before the plague that is Ultron, the living automaton. Now, I want to finish this with a bit of a positive note about AI in general, because I don't want to be accused of fear-mongering on topics I'm not fully familiar with. Ultron is fiction. AI work that is going on right now is not. And one of the best things Fotini told me when we spoke was the crux of current AI research and the intent behind it. Our defining challenge is the quality of the data that we serve into machine learning systems. But that's very important to understand. There's no bad actors here. Yeah. Uh, nobody, like, there's no scientists in labs, you know, spooking systems and tweaking them to make... I immediately... Whoa! Yeah, that... in a lab. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works at all. There's a... Um, they're actually really nice people. Yeah, uh, we're very, I hope so. <laughs> we're very proud of our work, um, and we, we actually truly, truly, truly believe that it can it can serve society. Uh, we've seen areas of application of AI, like in healthcare, where human bias and error there is measured extremely high when we are diagnosing uh, patients. We think that we can help um, with machine learning, and so we're very proud to be pushing this science forward. Um, the challenge, though, is that indeed it, it learns from examples. If the examples are bad, if the examples are corrupt, then you definitely need to worry about what kind of ethical compass you're building into that system. So on that note, as we do in every episode, I'll leave you with an Issue Zero recommends. Revelation Space by Alistair Reynolds. It is the best hard sci-fi I have ever read. It was actually recommended to me by a professor of astronomy from the Dunlap Institute at the U of T. See, Alistair Reynolds is a professor of astrophysics. He worked for the European Space Agency, and his writing is grounded within our understanding of physics. He explores the nature of humanity's expansion into the cosmos, how humanity itself will evolve into varying sects. There will be spiders, humans who interconnect via a mental network operating under a single consciousness, all their thoughts shared with each other. Ultras, humans who roam the stars, enhancing their bodies cybernetically to the point they're not even considered human. An entire race of mutated pigs grown in labs to be organ banks for humans in need of transplanted organs to extend their lives. And all of them dealing with the great cosmic rift as we continue to spread out and encounter a cold universe indifferent to our needs. It really is just incredible sci-fi. 
And if you played BioWare's Mass Effect, you'll see immediately that whoever wrote the game was obviously a big fan of Alistair Reynolds. There are similarities. That's all I'm going to say. Revelation Space. Read it. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Issue Zero so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps us spread the word and get more people to find the podcast. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you get your favorite streaming audio. You can also listen to us at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and links to all the other guests. So if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Fearless underscore Fred, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can also email me at issue zero at CuriousCast.ca. This show is hosted, written by me, Fred Kennedy, and the amazing Dila Velasquez, our producer. Uh, and sound design and final production is by the very tall Rob Johnson. Uh, see you next time for more Issue Zero.